0: Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media: to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. I name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. This is one of the most beautiful feasts in the church when we celebrate the descent of the Spirit upon the holy disciples. And we're always praying for the Spirit to fill our hearts during the season. And so as we're praying for the Spirit to fill us, an important question to ask ourselves is what are we really praying for? When we say we're praying for the Spirit to fill us, who is this Spirit that we want to fill us? I think that's the most critical question we can ask because unless we know who he is, then what we're praying for doesn't really make sense. Right? And so in Greek philosophy, there's this concept that function defines identity, right? where identity is defined by function. What something does is what defines it. Right? So if you want to know the identity of a specific object, how, how can you really define it? Well, look at what it does. Okay? Its function is what will define it. Right? For example, how can you identify a human being? Right? Well, you look at what a human being does. Right? You look at how a human being functions. It's not just having eyes or having a mouth. You know, a lot of other similarities may coexist with different creatures, but what a human being does is very specific to that human being, right? And so that's why the, the identity of a specific person or, or a specific object is defined by its function, right? For example, you have like a pile of wood. What makes this pile of wood a chair or a table or, I don't know, a cabinet or a dresser? They're all just wood, but what it does is what will define it, right? If it's just something that I'm using to eat, then it's a table. If I sit on it, it becomes a chair, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, what does the Spirit really do, right? If we want to know who He is that's filling us, we have to ask, what is it that He does, right? And Christ makes this very clear at the end of this gospel, where He says that He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Right? He will not speak on his own authority But whatever he hears He will speak right? And he will glorify me For he will take of what is mine And declare it to you And so this is a reflection of the divine essence In the Trinity God in his essence Is humility In its perfection Because what you see in every person of the Trinity Is that the Father is pointing To the Son right, And you see this in Epiphany he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Like putting the spotlight on him. The whole life of Christ, this is no mystery, that Christ is pointing to who? The father. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Everything is about pointing back to the father. And then you see the very same quality in the spirit. Right? That the spirit is not autonomous. But the Spirit wants to direct us to Christ. So the Spirit is pointing to the Son and the Father. And in, and in knowing the Son, we know the Father. So, you know, there's this phrase we say, it's, it's not nice to point, right? But I think in the Trinity, every single person is pointing. The Father is pointing to the Son and the Spirit. The Son is pointing to the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit is pointing to the Son and the Father. Right? Because there is this divine humility. Right? Wanting to step outside of the spotlight and to give the other attention, right? And don't forget, we're created in that very same image and likeness, right? So humility is not strange to us. It's not foreign to us. It's actually in our divine DNA, right? It's in our essence. It's in our nature to live for others, Right? To give others glory, to give others honor, to give others attention, right? Pride, arrogance, autonomy, having this egocentricity it is foreign to our nature, right? People will say like, oh, you know, it, it's natural to be selfish. It's really not. Maybe that's a reflection of our fallen nature. But we're in the image and likeness of a God who is filled with divine humility, right? And so, I'll just share with you, uh, I, what I believe is the best story that embodies this or, or models this quality. Right? Many of you have heard this story several times before. Right? And it's in the miracle of moving the mukattam Mountain. Right? Remember how God used a very humble person, Simon the Tanner, right? to accomplish this amazing miracle. How did this whole miracle start? Well, Pope Abram was in this uh, little predicament because the Khalifa at this time said look in your Bible it says that if you have the faith of a mustard seed you can move mountains so I want you to prove it to me if not then you're gonna feel my wrath <laughs> and obviously he didn't didn't know what to do this this verse is not literal in the Bible right it's about moving the, the mountains in our life, like, like sins and different habits that we can't break. If we have that sort of faith, we can move those mountains. But God didn't say that so we could geographically start to alter the earth. <laughs> Anyways, he's like, what am I supposed to do? So he goes to the church and he fasts and prays for three days. And by the way, uh, there's nothing new there. Because when we don't know what to do, what, what's our natural recourse? To fast and pray. That's why, uh, throughout the years, we just grow in fasting and prayer. Right? Anyways, that's just a side note. So he goes, he fasts and prays, and Saint Mary tells him, "Look, go to the market, and you're gonna meet someone. His name is Simon, Simon the Tanner, and by his hand, you will accomplish this miracle." And he's like, "I have no idea who this guy is, but whatever." He goes and he finds this shoemaker. Like a very humble man, a guy who's probably worthless in society, right? Like if he died that day, nobody would even notice, right? Totally irrelevant. And so he says, you know, like this is what happened. And, he, and of course, Simon the Tanner is very well aware that God had called him to do this. And so he says, I'm at your disposal. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. And so. Simon the Tanner says, let's go up to the mountain and we'll pray, we'll we'll do prostration, we'll do kirillaisons, and then by God's grace, we'll move the mountain. And we all know how the story goes, right? They do prostrations, they do kirillaisons, they're praying, and then the mountain actually moves. What we typically don't notice in this story, and and this is written in his biography, is what happened right after. Because we typically stop right there. But what happened right after is that Pope Abraham looked to his left and looked to his right. He's looking for Simon the Tanner, right? The guy who just made this big miracle happen. Right, so he's looking to his left, looking to his right, but he found no one. And, and this is what reveals the, the depth of his heart. This isn't a product of like reaching some sort of level in in his holiness, right? This is the reason why Simon the Tanner is holy. Like this is what produced these signs and wonders. Because he had this humility, God said, I'm going to use him. He doesn't want to steal the spotlight. He doesn't want to steal the show. He doesn't want everybody to look at him and give him praise, right? I don't know about you, but if I accomplish something to that magnitude... (laughs) Forget moving a mountain, you know, like we built this church together and we're all excited. We want to celebrate like, you know, not even in an arrogant way, right? We're we're all excited about it. But he didn't even want to risk the pride that comes with that celebration. And so he totally disappeared, right? And that's why Pope Corolla said, let us disappear that the glory of God may appear, Right? This is the spirit that we are praying to fill us. When we say to fill us with your Holy Spirit, we are praying for the spirit of humility, not to feel entitled, not to feel like I deserve this attention or I deserve that. We have to be careful with that phrase, I deserve dot dot dot, right? And of course, we all deserve the dignity of human life and and so many important things. I'm not saying we're worthless. We're very precious in the sight of God. But I, I doubt that phrase came across the mouth of Christ. I deserve... To, to Christ said, I deserve nothing, right? I, I'm willingly sacrificing my life. I don't deserve a fair treatment. He didn't say I deserve a fair trial. He didn't say I deserve respect. I deserve honor. I deserve glory. He said, I'm laying my honor, my glory everything down. And that's the spirit that we're praying to fill. And unless the spirit of God fills us, all our efforts to humble ourselves are in vain. Because this is a divine quality. You cannot kill the self by the self. The self doesn't just commit suicide. And so it's only by the power of the spirit that he enters and cleans out all the filth that's hidden in there. And then, little by little, we, we start to come to life, right? We start to live for others. We start to desire the glory of God more than our glory and honor, right? And, and with almost every problem, you'll see that there's pride behind it, right? Marital conflicts, conflicts in the world, conflicts in, conflict in different teams, whatever it is that divides or splits people apart, it's typically pride. That's why the scripture tells, what comes before the fall? Pride. Pride comes before the fall. There's nothing more important to pray for than this. If we have humility alone, we can ascend to the heavens. So what St. John Climacus said. He said, if Satan fell by nothing but pride, then we may ask ourselves, if one can ascend to the heavens with nothing but humility. Nothing but that. Imagine, all we need is humility. And that's what the Spirit does for us. When we're praying for the Spirit to fill us, we're praying for a one-way ticket to heaven. We're praying for that divine humility to fill our hearts. That God's glory may appear in the world. Right? And, and we have to resist that urge to get the honor and the respect and the glory because ultimately we're not living for ourselves. Go back to that story of Simon the Tanner. After this miracle happened and Pope Abraham went back to Khalif, the story concludes that he was blown away by the faith of the Christians and he himself converted into Christianity. What greater glory is that? That by our humility, we can convert others. We can change the world, right? He didn't need to preach. He didn't need to give him a message. He simply stepped away, stepped back and said, God, you work, right? May God give us this spirit of humility, this spirit of love, that his name may be glorified forever and ever. Amen.